was we were worshiping, and it just reminded me when I first became a Christian, and I had no idea of how much I needed God in my life. I was so self-deceived in thinking that I had my act together. Just for God to come in my life, he had to undo me, to take me apart from the inside out, to realize I'm not the man I thought I really was. And then he slowly and lovingly put us back together again. Amen? And as we worship those songs, those are songs from many years ago for us. And you know, they touched our hearts. So, Kim, that was, that was right on. Praise the Lord. Open up to... Uh, Open up that new thing you want, and I'll preach on it today. Open up to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, several weeks ago, I started teaching a little bit on the Word of God, the Gospel, and uh, I spoke out of the parable of the farmer who sowed his seed and went to bed at night, and how he grew up, how the seed grew, he had no idea. And it showed the the sovereign work of God behind the scenes. That as Christians, we can tell people about Christ, and we can teach Christ, and we can encourage Christ. But to make it work and make it grow is only the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery to us. I'll tell you that right now. It's an absolute mystery to us. And a couple weeks, a week after that, I spoke on the four soils, and that's the condition of the human heart. How some people hear the word of God and they're so indifferent to anything spiritual or anything religious, anything to do with Jesus or God, they don't even hear it. Satan comes and steals the seed. And then there's the second seed that hears it and loves what it hears. It loves about forgiveness and love, but when it's persecuted for being a Christian, it falls to the ground and runs away. And then there's that third seed that receives the word of God, but over the course of time, The desire for other things in this world are more important than the desire for heaven, and that gets choked out. And so, and then there's the left with the fourth seed, and that's the those who can hear the word of God and uh, and give their life to Christ. So the first one was God's uh, work in all this. The second one is the human heart, and I will speak about the minister's job today when it comes to the word. So this is specifically meant for those who minister the word of God. And their churches, alright? So I really want you to listen, because there's a charge given to anyone who ever occupies a Christian pulpit, and they better be ready. Because if they're not, it's not going to be pretty. For someone to get up and proclaim Christ's message of salvation, their heart better be right, their mind better be right, their behavior, their character better be right, and most of all, their doctrine better be right. Because when they stand before God, God will take them apart inch by inch. To misrepresent the gospel of Jesus Christ is no small thing. Don't let anyone become a teacher of the word, James says, because there is a harsher judgment on that person. So this is serious, a serious message. I take it serious. This church takes this serious. We take Jesus serious. We take everything that Christ done serious. This is no cheap grace in this church. The word of God and Jesus Christ alone get all the attention. Amen? Yes. So I just want you to know where we're going with this. So let's read. It's one of my favorite portions of scripture. I got to drink a little water because it's a little lengthy. I will read all chapter 3 and go into chapter 4 verse 8. And I want you to see the first five verses when we get into it. It's a picture of an angry mob. Are you with me? Yeah. And then when we get to the end in 
8, we're going to see something sweet to the soul. I'm going to ask you, what page do you want to be on, okay? I'm asking everybody here, the first five verses of chapter 3, or the last two verses, 7 and 8, okay? Let me get it up here. Can we pull it up? Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, Rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, meaning they have the appearance of Christianity, but they're denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Thus says Janus and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in their mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as it was that of those two men. You, however, Timothy, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that had happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra with persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and apostles will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will endure will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For Timothy, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who loved his appearing. Where are you? Who are we? Powerful, powerful, powerful verses of scripture. 
I want you to know who we are at this church. We are a word church. The word of God gets the attention. The word of God gets the scrutiny. The word of God gets to challenge us. The word of God gets to break us. The word of God gets to search our hearts to reveal who we really are in the depths of our heart. As God commands, he desires truth in the inward parts of our being. The searching ministry of the word of God. We don't come up with gimmicks. We don't come out with trying to make people feel good. We're not here to flatter anybody. We're not here to make people feel good in their sin. We are here to point people into the direction of Jesus Christ that they too can enjoy as they wait and long to see Christ again. And receive the crown of righteousness which only those who loved his first coming. See the cross? If you love that cross and what it's done for you, then you will receive the crown of righteousness. But if that cross means nothing to you now and does not change you now, you do not want to see him when he comes again. It will be brutal. Brutal. I love this teaching. I love to sit under teachers and preachers that preach this way and challenge me and be glued to the seat as they expound on the human heart. And all you can do is just be gripped by the reality of what we are without Jesus and gripped with the blessing of what we are now in Jesus Christ. As I said in my opening, I didn't realize how much I needed God in my life. I was so self-deceived until I got saved. And I realized that I was not the man on the inside that the world thought I was. I was an imposter to the world, an imposter to myself, and an imposter to God. But the Word of God opened me up like a can of worms. And started working on the inside. And it wasn't this person that made me do this, and it wasn't that person. I wasn't the victim anymore. I was the criminal saved by grace. It wasn't what happened to me as a child. It wasn't happened to this. I was accountable for the first time for my own actions before God. Why is that important? Because you're going to find out tonight there's a group of people who love Jesus by mouth. But they don't want the truth. And they're holding on to a form of godliness. They say I believe. But I don't obey. That's why Paul says difficult times are coming. Remember a couple weeks ago when I shared about those seeds. One seed wanted nothing to do. The other two seeds said they believed. But didn't when persecution came. And then there was another seed when the cares of the world came. They ran away. This is a cameo appearance. They're back in the first five verses of chapter 3. That's the angry mob that traded in the truth for a lie. They still say, I believe. But they're not love as a God. They're love as a pleasure. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power to change it and deny the power to save them. They got inched ears. And they want to accumulate teachers that are going to tell them what they want to They're going to tell them what they want to. And everybody thinks they're going to be saved. It will be brutal. 
Let me tell you historically what's taking place here. The Apostle Paul, who's been in ministry for 30 years, is at the end of his life. He is now in prison. I'm not sure if he's going to get out this time. He's been in prison on numerous occasions, and the Lord has delivered him out of all of them. But this time, he's just not sure he's going to get out. He's handing off the baton of the gospel of Christ to this young apprentice named Timothy, who himself is not the most confident preacher in the world. Matter of fact, he's a timid-looking young man, probably thin, pale, no real presence or charisma about him. He suffers with frequent ailments. And besides that, he's living in a time when men love self more than they love God. Those are real hard times, just like it is today. Great aggression against not just the gospel, but anybody who preaches the real gospel. A gospel of free grace in Christ alone. And a call to holiness. And a call to holiness is you leave the life of sin behind and you move on to that upward calling of Jesus Christ to receive the crown of righteousness. Sin has no place in our lives anymore. But this angry crowd wanted Jesus, but it wanted nothing to do with a changed life. Nothing's changed. 2,000 years later, people come to church, they hear messages they don't like, guess what? Change the channel. Go to a different church. They don't talk about sin, they don't talk about suffering, they don't talk about witnessing. It's all feel-good type of stuff. Smoke and mirrors. And not just that, now you know... When you're right with God, as a minister, people are going to hate you and the message you preach. If everyone likes it, something is wrong. He says here in 3.4, he says, all those, anyone who presses into godliness will be persecuted. People don't mind hearing about Jesus, and they don't even mind hearing about the Bible. Just don't tell them about it. Don't start living a right life. Don't change and mend your ways and say, God has changed me. They don't want that. You can talk about Jesus all you want, but just don't talk about repentance and what real holiness is. Paul is a great example of this. He says here in 3, 10, 11, You, however, have followed, Timothy, my teaching. You've seen the difference between the angry mob who has itching ears and they're accumulating teachers for themselves who have a form of godliness. They deny its power. You've seen them, Timothy, but you've also seen me. You've seen and followed my teaching. you followed my conduct. you followed my aim in life. you followed my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness. you followed my persecutions and my sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord delivered me from them all. Timothy was an eyewitness to real gospel ministry. Eyewitness. Front lines.
That's the reason Paul is writing this letter. To make sure that his witness and his gospel, the real gospel, the gospel that saves, that doesn't deny the power of God, the genuine word, no matter how angry the mob is, and no matter how weak Timothy is, he goes toe-to-toe with the angry mob. There's a theme here, a biblical theme that you're going to miss if I don't bring it to your attention. You think God's going to raise up a sort of superhero man to preach the gospel. Surely they'll listen to the superhero, charismatic, Hollywood type of guy, dynamic. Timothy was anything but dynamic. But he was called by God to fulfill his ministry as an evangelist. I want you to know something about Paul. Paul was one of the most unassuming human beings you could ever see. But when he preached, people fell under the conviction of God. They knew they had sinned. They knew they needed salvation. They gave their life because of the true preaching. Paul never tried to change his appearance or his image to flatter and please the crowd. And now he's handing off the baton. He's basically dying. And Timothy knows what it is. Timothy knows that Paul's in jail, basically going to die. And when you died back then, it wasn't pretty. They tortured you to death for the gospel. Just like we see going on in other countries today. And here's Timothy. This is the time to run. (laughs) Get out of town. I don't want to end up like this guy. But we'll get into the text. Let's go to verses 1 and 2 in chapter 3. I'm only preaching on a couple of verses, and, and that's it. Listen to verse 1 and 2. Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Listen to the sacred charge. Listen to the way Paul grabs the attention of this young minister. And he's grabbed the attention of every true minister for the last 2,000 years. The sacred charge. The warning to preach the word. And nothing but the word of God. This is a true preaching ministry. True preaching ministry, as Paul is teaching here, does not start with a sermon. It does not start with a good idea. It doesn't start with a contemporary scene we're going through. It doesn't even start with a text of scripture. It starts with a heart being right before Almighty God. Period. It doesn't start because I feel like I'm called to be a preacher. I feel like I'm called to go to a pulpit. I feel like I'm a pastor. People listen to me. People like me. Get out of town. Preaching starts when you have a sacred fear of God. Anything less than that, they will be taken apart inch by inch when they stand before Almighty God. How dare anybody take the charge onto themselves who are not called into the pulpit? Only a born-again man would hear this charge and shiver. 
The minister of God and any church should never settle for anything less. You should not listen to anything less than a man who knows he's under the sacred charge. Anything less is not good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else or anywhere else, we all will get the opinions of men and not the word of the living God. The heart has to be sworn by the sacred second coming of Christ that when we stand there, we will be approved by God, a workman, unashamed of the message we preached. Yes, our preaching is to men always. But it's always before the audience of one. Every message has to be done in the secret place of the heart, being analyzed by God all the time. We preach before men, but it's before God, it's before his Christ, before his kingdom, before his angels, not ours. In light of this glorious second coming, when Christ comes and tests the work of all men. I don't know, me and John shiver when I think about when Christ comes back, that Christ will bring every preacher into account for what they have preached in his name. How people can just get up and say whatever they want to say and take a text out of context and preach some kind of pretext about what they want to do and manipulate the minds and hearts of people to grab a crowd onto themselves. All in the name of Jesus, but denying the power thereof. I am not scared to stand before Christ at all for my moral life. My aim is to live as morally right 24-7 with God in deed, in thought, in word, in intention. And I know I fail in all of them at times. But I know that Jesus Christ took every one of my sins, past, present, and future. I have no fear at all. Be stand before Christ on that day. I am a forgiven sinner by grace. But as a teacher of the word of God. Responsible. Got to take that serious. If you're here to please the crowds, you're here to sell books, you're here to get people to throw your name around, you're here to make it on the view or be some sort of celebrity pastor. I thought about this verse when I watched a YouTube video on a famous minister in Manhattan. Large, probably the largest congregation. It was on the view. And they said, this is a hostile crowd. It's homosexuality is sin. Pretty straightforward, right? Seven minutes later, he still didn't answer the question, and the crowd was applauding this man. That's our text tonight. 
pleased the crowd, pleased the angry mob who are looking to have their ears tickled. Ooh, ooh, blow, blow my ear. I don't know the human heart, only God does. But Jesus says, don't test their hearts, but you'll know them by their fruit. He says, to preach the word, it means to proclaim the gospel of salvation to a sinful world that is without God and without hope and has no hope whatsoever until they come to Christ. Preach that word of Jesus alone is the only way to the Father. Preach the word that you need to repent of all known sins and follow Christ. Preach that word and no other word. It is the only word of life now and forever. It means to be ready. It's an urgent preaching. It's not a preaching that says, let me make friends. It has the tone of urgency. It has the tone of warning. It has the tone of be careful. It's a dangerous world. And he says to do this urgent, urgent preaching to be a herald of this word in season, and he says out of season, what it means, whatever circumstance you find it in, whether it's convenient or not, you reprove that the angry mob is against you, guess what? Preach the word of God. If they don't want to hear it, tell it to them twice. Preach the word of God. And many of these people will be saved. But that's why he says you need to reprove. You need to exhort. You need to rebuke. When I came to Christ, I didn't realize what I really was on the inside. And told to know what a loving rebuke is. A loving rebuke when God looks at you face to face with his hand on your back and says, Brian, I got a couple of things against you. I'm like, yes, Lord. You know when he tells you that? When you're hearing the preaching of the gospel. Most. And when you're home and you're reading your Bible. Or you're at a prayer meeting. Or you're just sitting on a park bench. Or you're at a Bible study. And you come under the conviction. You feel like, you know when you're under the conviction of God? When you think you're the only one in the room. And God has got the light on you. And he's preaching to you. That's when you know God's speaking to your heart. Rebuke means to bring a correction. The angry mob, the lovers of pleasure and not the lovers of God. Remember they love self and they love money. They're boastful, they're arrogant, disobedient to parents. You know that crowd over there? They don't want to be rebuked. You know why? They don't think there's anything wrong with their life. And they think they're safe with Jesus. Everything's okay. I just go to the other church. They don't talk like you do. But when you run away from being reproved, when you run away from being rebuked, you're never truly exhorted with the encouraging work of the Holy Spirit. When Timothy's called to exhort, it means to encourage under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Timothy could look at a sinner who was crying over his sin, who repented over his sin and say, by God's grace, you are forgiven and have the witness of the Holy Spirit there. Thank you.
Ran into a friend of mine this week in the gym. Broken, broken man. Broken, broken man over his sin. I ran into his wife the day before. It wasn't pretty. And when I saw him, he was broken and destroyed. And he asked me, how can I have absolution? Jesus. So I knew where he was coming from. I didn't have to tell him, but I didn't have to give him the difference between Protestantism and Catholicism. His heart was searching for forgiveness. That's a heart you can preach to. That's a heart that's it's right to receive the grace of God. My relationship with him has been developing, and prayerfully from this moment on, will develop more. So keep him in prayer, right? But I was able to exhort and tell him that Christ died for everyone, no matter how serious of an offense it is in the eyes of men, in the eyes of God. If you are truly repentant, God will forgive you. Amen. See, I could tell him that. It doesn't have to be in a church service. It doesn't have to be in a confessional. You could be right outside a gym and say, God died for your sins. And when we reprove Timothy, and when you rebuke Timothy, and when you exhort, he says, do it with all patience and teaching. Listen to the two here. Patience and teaching, as God was patient with us. Everything we see when someone falls into sin, it's an object lesson for the minister to show people, not to point the finger at their sin, but look at how you got to this place. When people fall into sins of various kinds, there's usually a prerequisite that has taken place. There's usually a chain of events that has taken place, sometimes over many years before they fall into this position. And we've got to use that as a teaching, uh, uh, an uh, an object lesson over here on the human sin nature. Not just you sinned, this is why you sinned. Original sin has gripped you, and you've never been close to Christ. And you've never, been, uh, never had the restraining power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. You've never had this. And you've played games with God. You've been religious all your life. But you've never came to Christ in a saving way. So we teach when someone's caught in sin, when someone falls in sin, when someone's been demoralized by sin. It's a time to be patient, loving, but use it as a teaching lesson of how awesome God is. This text deals with both aspects of preaching. There's two aspects of preaching. There's evangelism and there's pastoral oversight. Anytime I preach, I want to preach the message that if you've never heard it and you've never been saved, you'd understand you need to be born again and saved. And at the same time, I want to come alongside you as a pastor and walk through your life with you. Because sin is always painful. Darkness is always grief. Not knowing Christ is a horrible thing. And you have to walk alongside someone. You have to have empathy. You have to have sympathy. That's pastoral gift. You have to know how to make people feel welcome and loved. Even as they're walking through 
to forgive this process. Listen to verse 3. For the time is coming, I like to throw this in, for the time is coming in Timothy, when people will not endorse sound teaching, but have an itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth. That means they were listening to the truth. They were hearing about Jesus. They were hearing about true salvation. They were hearing about repentance and faith. And instead of the truth, they wandered into myths. This is one of the unfortunate truths ministers need to know, along with all Christians. Not everyone who says Jesus is Lord really means it. So-called believers could never last long under sound teaching. Now listen to me. He says here, they will accumulate teachers to suit their own passions. Why? Because they could not endure any more sound teaching. You can't last long. When you're trying to make believe you're a believer, and you're sitting in a church that preaches the truth, you got to run for your life. You either get converted and changed, or you look for every possible excuse not to go. Not to go. Because they can't endure. It means they cannot patiently sit under the teaching of the gospel, of right behavior. They still say Jesus is Lord. They just find someone else is going to preach to their felt needs. Listen, to suit their own passions. If I can tell you how uncomfortable it is, how many times people sat under this ministry, usually for months, not for years, and then they disappear because they could not stand under sound teaching. You know what sound means? Healthy. Let me give an example. True preaching is like a church opening up is like uh, organic health food that's slightly expensive. And you decide to open up between a McDonald's and a Burger King. People want fast calories at a cheap price that in the long run, guess what, are not healthy. They don't want to go the extra mile to shop and prepare and to cook and spend the money. They want it fast and they want it cheap. That's happened spiritually right in this text. They don't want sound teaching. It's too costly. They got to think through the faith. They got to read the fine print. They got to live it. They got to carry the cross. And deny themselves. But if I go to the Burger King, yes, well, they're throwing slop at me. I grab a number, I get the coupon, I show them, I get a full meal for $1.99. How easy is this? But that's what people do spiritually. They want it easy, they want it fast, they want it convenient, and they want it to fit their taste buds. 
But sound teaching, which they don't want, is both healthy and safe for the eternal soul. Sound teaching always has the soul's best intention. So when the second coming of Christ comes, you will receive the crown of righteousness for all those who love the Lord. But they don't want to wait for the second coming. They want something fast and convenient now. I'm going to take a sip of water because I'm the preacher. <laughs> Being a Christian costs. Get it right now. If somehow in the past month or six months or a year or two years we've been a Christian and somehow it hasn't hurt, it hasn't challenged you, it hasn't caused you to get to make a couple of hard choices for Christ. If you have never made a couple of real hard choices for Jesus, guess what? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. This sound, healthy teaching is the word about God that makes us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, the obedient Son. To live in this world spiritually healthy means to obey God's revealed moral will for our lives. To pick up our cross, to deny our sinful passions. They didn't want to deny the sinful passions. They just found another church to go to where people are going to minister to their sinful passions. Not crucify sinful passions. If you deny yourself, if you're going to have anything to do with me, Jesus says, pick up your cross and deny yourself. Deny those sinful passions of what you want to do. If you want to be a disciple of mine, pick up your cross and follow me. That is healthy teaching. They can't endure it though. These so-called believers who still love this world of sin cannot endure this kind of healthy teaching. They want to go to McDonald's every day. Instead of giving it up, they just changed the channel. Sitting down in the park one day, about 10 years ago, there was a gentleman I ministered to for years, played music, he, he, he was doing everything right, disappeared. I text him, call him, I give everybody three texts and two calls. If they don't, then I know something's going on. He's Here he comes between the trees. And he comes face to face with me and my Bible. His jaw almost dropped. I, 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 I'm doing good. I really am. I never even said anything. He had to explain himself. A guilty conscience always has to explain itself. You know that, right? Sit back. Moms and dads know that. And there's a great proverbs where words are many. Sin is not far. When people find themselves always, I'm like, oh, you're great, wonderful, praise God. You know, it's like, I'm not here to, I'm not your. <laughs> they change the channel and find some other preacher who has a watered down word. Jesus, yes, holiness, no. Jesus, yes, picking up your cross, no. Jesus, yes, giving up your sin, no. Jesus, yes, giving up your passions, no way. Instead of dealing strongly with their generation, as chapter 1, chapter 3, we read that, that 
that generation. Paul, Paul says, the day is coming that's going to be difficult. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, and not lovers of God. If you are going to witness to them, if you are going to preach to them, you better be strong. Because they'll chew you up. They'll chew you up. This world will chew every watered down minister out there. And the only way to do it is by reproof, rebuke, and exhorting. But instead of hearing sound doctrine that can lead the soul to eternal life, to unashamedly stand before Christ, they wrangle about in nonsensical myths. In the Bible, this means any teaching that diverts from the essential spiritual needs of the people. The essential spiritual needs of the people. Anything that goes out lines of the essential spiritual needs of the people is a godless myth that's not worth repeating ever again. You don't want to hear my opinion about the latest movie. You don't want to hear my political opinions. You don't want, you need to hear nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified and everything he's done for your sinful soul, everything he's doing at the right hand of God right now, and to remind you of his glorious second coming when we all have to stand before the son of the living God. Anything less than that is a nonsensical myth. It does nothing to your soul. Absolute hype. Empty calories does not prepare the soul for eternal salvation. Nothing but empty calories. Doesn't bring spiritual health. It's sugar-coated garbage that rots teeth and ruins and condemns the soul. There's a double judgment going on in this text. God knows there are phony believers. And guess what he gives phony believers? Phony preachers. You want your ears tickled? You want to follow your own passions? Turn to channel 69, 6889 on your television and listen to him. Let him condemn your soul and you'll both go to hell. That's what he's saying. Phony believers get phony preachers. Accumulating for themselves preachers that will tickle their ears. an act of judgment on both of them. To the phony preacher, he gives them a congregation. To the phony congregation, he gives them a preacher. A match made in hell. We got teachers that love to gather crowds to themselves and hearers that will listen to anything but the truth. Let's go to chapter 4, verse 5, and I'll close with this. Verse 5, okay, thank you. As for you, always be sober-minded, Timothy. Endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. We have to start with, as for you. Listen, in the Bible, this is what it means. But... As for you, in contrast to the phony believers, in contrast to the phony preachers, as for you, not like them, because of the pressure in ministry, in brutal, self-loving, God-hating world, preach faithfully. As for you, don't do what they're doing. 
follow my example, my faithfulness, my teaching, my suffering. Don't follow them. They're a dime a dozen out there, Timothy. They're falling under the pressure of a brutal, loving self, not loving God world. Don't go near them, Timothy. Be sober-minded. Think rightly. Don't let feelings or fears get in your way by the angry mob that wants nothing to do with your teaching. Endure everything, Timothy, in this loveless world that you live in and preach in. And continue to share the real message as an evangelist, Timothy, that saves souls and frees them from sin's power and Satan's lies. Do the work in evangelist, Timothy. Get out there. When you preach, preach in the light of the second coming. As the sacred oath says, before God and his kingdom, preach the word. Save sinners, Timothy. Save them from the power of sin. Save them from self-deception. And save them from the lies of Satan. Fulfill this ministry, Timothy. Fulfill the ministry God personally gave you. No man takes ministry onto themselves, for if they do, they are false shepherds. Fulfill the ministry God personally gave to you until Jesus comes back or you die and go home. Fulfill the ministry. No matter what the angry mob tells you, no matter what the angry mob wants, these brutal arrogant, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, not lovers of God, no matter what they threaten you with, fulfill the ministry. Put on the shield of faith. Put it on the breastplate of righteousness. Take the sword of the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And preach, Timothy. Preach to the angry mob. Never turn back. Never give up. Keep your eyes on the prize. The crown of righteousness is laid up for you, Timothy. Just like it was laid up for me. Don't worry that you're young. Don't worry that you're short. Don't worry that you're weak. Jesus will be with you. Preach. It will be Jesus' good pleasure to reward your service with the crown of righteousness. And not just you, Timothy. Not just the preacher who was faithful to his ministry. He says, and all who loved his appearing, from the greatest preachers to the smallest saint who sweeps the floor of the church, they all get the crown of righteousness. From the least to the greatest. Thank you, Lord. God sees it all. Thank you, Lord. Everything. That's where we are at this church. This is what we stand for. We will fulfill the ministry God has given us in Bay Ridge. We will not hold back for a moment from preaching the truth. Let the word of God search all our hearts. Father, we love you. We praise you. We adore you, God. And I pray, God, that everyone who could hear my words today, God, I pray that they come into a saving relationship with you. That there are people who deny, who say, no way. I never want my sinful ears tickled. 
I never want my passions played to. I want the truth that sets me free and nothing but the truth. Thank you, Lord. God, let us always be faithful. And I too, with Paul and Timothy and with all the saints, look forward to the crown of righteousness for those who loved your first appearing and lined up their life with the first appearing as they line up their soul with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Help us, I ask, O God, in Jesus' name.